Hello and welcome to Make and Tain, the podcast breaking the stigma and lifting the lid on inspiring people who are making a difference. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Nathan Aday, award-nominated illustrator and founder of Mental Roots. And I first came across Nathan's podcast when I was doing research for the Shocker podcast, which came out a few weeks ago. And what really stood out to me was Nathan's kind of maturity for his age and wanting to leave a mark on the world with his podcast, Mental Roots. He created this incredible short film animation kind of talking openly about being a first-generation black Brit it embodies the common fears and stigmas and mental health issues amongst young black males and it got featured on BBC and Nationwide and honestly I'll leave a link in the podcast description to check it out it's absolutely incredible using his illustrations for good and on the podcast Nathan really kind of opens up to me about being a young black British person and seeing a massive lack of representation within the animation industry but also within the UK as well. And I recently found out that over 23% of black British people experience a mental health problem compared to 17% of white British. And it really opens up, and we have a really kind of open and honest conversation about this to kind of better understand the issue. But more importantly, Nathan has created a multimedia platform called Mental Roots, a podcast to help drive awareness, educate and empower black people's mental health. Just before we jump to the podcast, make sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes every Monday morning. And the more subscribers get, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast. And if you do get a chance to write me a quick review as well, it's much appreciated. Let's jump into the podcast with Nathan Aday. Hello and welcome back to the Make the Same podcast. I'm joined by Nathan Aday and I came across your podcast. It was actually on Spotify. So when I interviewed Shocker, the rapper, I saw that you also yep. did a podcast of him and I really kind of resonated with yourself and kind of your journey behind like mental roots. Would you like to just do kind of a little introductions for anyone who might not have come across mental roots before? Yeah, so uh, my name is Nathan Aday. I am... Um, 25, based in Derby at the moment, but as you can tell from my accent, um, grew up in London. And yeah, I am a multifaceted creative. I like using creativity and media to make a positive difference. Um, and at the moment, that takes the form of my award-winning multimedia brand, Mental Roots, um, which in which I use animation, podcasting, and various creative projects to raise awareness on mental health, particularly in underrepresented communities um, so at the moment the initial focus is afro-caribbeans and yeah there may be scope to look at other kind of demographics as well um, so that's kind of me in a nutshell but also i double you know animation is my main thing i studied that at uni um, i started at ravensbourne uni and then transferred to university of derby um, and i've done a master's as well um, where, through which i've developed my animation skills and I've also, I also do spoken word poetry. I've done a bit of music. I released some singles in 2020. So I've done oh, lots wow. of different things. I wasn't things. aware yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. It's, yes. it's great that you're kind of doubling like all those different things. I didn't realize you went to Ravensbar. Do you know Maurice Cumber by any chance? The, rain, the name doesn't ring a bell, no. Yeah, because um, I, I, I did a workshop once with uh, Raven's Bar. So yeah, it's amazing, obviously, mm. you, you went there. How come you chose and went to Derby to obviously do your d- d- degree in like animation? Yeah, so I mean, I was just staying with my parents and family during uni, and then we moved, um, well, during my degree, basically. So, um, I mean, I did my foundation diploma at Ravensbourne, and then the first year of my animation degree there, because um, I was commuting from Essex, um, where we used to live. And then, yeah, 2018, as a family, we moved to Derby, 
it was kind of planned a year in advance so I had enough time to look at different unis yeah, yeah. where you want to go uh, yeah so it was I remember it was between Derby Uni and Nottingham Trent um, and I, I think I just went for Derby in, in the end because it was just closer by to where we yeah. were going to live and I haven't looked back since it's been a great experience in Derby Uni great um community there um lots of great extracurricular opportunities i've had through the uni as well so um it's one of those i guess examples yeah. of everything happens for a reason and yeah it does. yeah like yeah I, I went to like huddersfield uni at the time and um mm. i think the great thing when i went there was like obviously like you get to mix with like students from like music and like fashion and you all kind of come together at some point which is incredible how has it been then obviously kind of studying illustration is it been have they been great in terms of like crafting that kind of creative process for you yeah so I, I studied animation um but yeah it's been studying animation was interesting because even looking back now um I can already think of ways that it could have been better obviously covid made it (laughs) quite difficult difficult, because I graduate I graduated during COVID um literally 2020 was the last year of my undergrad degree um still managed to get a first class which was great amazing Um, yeah and I guess it's just a testament to how much I love animation even well before um GCSEs and um A levels and all that I had a fascination with cartoons and you know is that from a young age then yeah, I mean, I've always been drawing, so that's always been there um, and always been drawing to a high standard where, um, you know, just like with my preschool teachers and then primary teachers and friends, it always amazed them how much detail I had in my drawing. So, yeah, um, yeah it's just, I guess it's one of those it was meant to be sort of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, but in terms of animation, I remember in primary school, especially, I always, I, I really liked what Pixar was producing. I started to pay a bit more attention to like, even the way certain characters were designed. And I designed my own characters in the styles of certain films. And um, yeah, I think drawing has always been an escape for me. I've always had a big imagination. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it's always been that sort of escape. Uh, do you come up with that style? Like, I don't know, did that mm. would, did that develop quite naturally for you, this kind of because I, I imagine everyone's got their own kind of like creative mm. input or like style was that something which come to you quite naturally do you think yeah so my just for context for those listening my animation style is more 2d um it's digital 2d so i use yeah. computer brushes and stuff to do it um but it has a kind of an organic feel look to it so it kind of looks as especially in recent years more kind of um a pastel feel to it so it feels organic though you know it's digital um and i don't know that i kind of just experimented and um i've always i come i have a fine art background so you know i used to do quite a few paintings during secondary school a levels at one point i tried to sell some paintings um so yeah like fine art is my background so i guess with my animation degree i started learning 3d i started doing a bit of VR and all these different kinds. And then I just kind of came back full circle and realized I, w- yeah. I just wanted to use my traditional drawing skills and apply that to animation. And I think in today's climate, um, it stands out um, mm. because either things are like very vectorized and clean cut. You're a graphic designer, so you yeah, yeah, you know, know, you you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, um, a lot of marketing content today can be very vectorized and clean cut. And I definitely think there's uh, a place for that. Um, and or, 
you know, there's a lot of 3D stuff that's, you know, three when especially when it comes to Hollywood and stuff, 3D is seems to be the easy money grab. But it, at the same time, 2D seems to be making a bit more of a comeback. There's, you know, award-winning short animated films that are very traditional. Yeah. 2D, you know, that we're seeing in recent years and obviously films like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the sequel that just came out. I was, I was only became aware two, about 2D, that recently. Yeah. yeah, I was I wasn't I wasn't aware about it until like honestly like two weeks ago. <laughs> and someone's like, the net the new ones come out. I was like, what are you on about? And yeah. I was like, oh, you need to watch it. And then I was like, what? <laughs> it's like it's like comic book like 2D mm. kind of style. So yeah, no, it's interesting. And, and I think with the work what you're doing as well, like you said, because it's not too clean cut, I feel like you can add more personality to the stories you tell, which which is great. Yeah. I mean, how how's it been with you obviously? graduating have you is, is it been hard getting a job like in in illustration in the creative industry or animation yeah i mean yeah so i think yeah it has been pretty challenging so far and even that because i just for context i graduated about september of 2021 from my master's it was a one-year master's in visual communication and that was um a course where i, I was already planning before covid to go straight into master's anyway so okay. it kind of how, worked how, in my favor. How I was going to ask, like, how come? Because obviously, some people, I, I personally didn't do a master's, but I know some people do, or mm. some people just get a job straight after getting the degree. What yeah. was like? Where was your headspace at that time, like wanting to kind of do a master's? Um, so I think the master's for me that was visual communication was just like a general visual arts master's, where pretty much it was just open briefs throughout the year. Um, so it's very much whatever your creative. Um, pathway is you can create your own projects and really you just get assessed on your progression and you know um, intentions on where you want to take your career so very much individual but individually based which for me worked out well because I already had a strong idea of like where I wanted to go um, and I was already starting to think about building Mental Roots as a brand making a sequel to the original film which was my final piece for the year um and yeah so that and I think within con within COVID as well it bought me some valuable time because I know a lot of my friends who are graduating from my degree and just friends in my year group in general at the uni they were kind of struggling with um finding the jobs um that they wanted and you know it, it was just a hard time to kind of get into yeah. any industry really I so, can imagine like straight after kind of like lockdown as well. And like, I love mm. like while we're on the topic of kind of like the animations to kind of talk about this, your final year kind of project. Because I think your story is quite similar to mine. In, in my final year, I set up Make and Tame, which is now the blog and podcast. And that was in my final year of university. So okay. I feel like we've got a very kind of um, similar story is in some ways, because yeah. that's when you set up uh, Mental Roots. Can we talk about that kind of final year kind of project where you kind of, where the idea behind Mental Roots kind of appeared. Okay, so I talked about the sequel. That was the end of my master's. So we'll get to that a bit later. But the original, what started the whole Mental Roots brand for me was the short film that I made with BBC and Rural Media called Mental Roots. Um, and that film basically birthed the brand. Um, so long story short, uh, beginning of 2020, um, there basically was a representative from Rural Media, which is a media production company and charity that does a lot of work um, just helping young people, particularly in the UK, 
um, help kind of get into the film industry. Um, so New Creatives was a scheme they used to have where basically I think 15 or 16 to 30 year olds could pitch an idea for a short film or audio piece. Um, and it was in partnership, it was rural media in partnership with the BBC. So okay. I was in the third round of their Midlands um, kind of, because um, they had the Midlands and then London and different things. So I was in the third round for the Midlands. Um, I submitted my application, I think January of 2020. And at that time, I didn't know the short film would be called Mental Roots. But at this time, I was already thinking about being a young black British person trying to get into the animation industry, already seeing there's a massive lack of representation in terms of black experiences generally um, across the world, but even more so um, of underrepresentation in Britain as well. So it, I was already on like, have you heard of major players? They, it's like a recruitment no. firm within like the design industry and they do like a report every year about like salary survey, but also mm. about like obviously people within the creative industry, like from different minorities. And it's, it, that really opens up your eyes and it surprised me as well. You know what I mean? Like where there's obviously when you look at the percentage of like white people compared to black people within the creative industry, like it, the gap is like huge. I mean, how's that, how's that been? Yeah. Cause I even did a few essays in my animation degree around black representation. I remember as case studies looking at animations like the boondocks. I don't know if you're familiar with that series in the U S no, no. um, where it was kind of like an adult comedy kind of tackling issues within black America and very kind of tongue in cheek, very controversial in many ways, but I kind of used that in a few other, uh, the few examples I could find of, you know, very rich um, black representation in animation. So I did a few essays on that. And my dissertation was on, um, you know, black Brits and using animated documentaries to explore culture and identity. Um, so I looked at that and then, um, my master's again similar themes as well so I've done a lot of research around that and even with the limited I can see there's even limited um, research and academic academic studies around black representation and animation so it's is very much a um, it feels like a new conversation even though people have been talking about it for many years there's just been such a low coverage of it compared to other aspects of animation um, so yeah, I, I pitched this idea to rural media um, in terms of already starting to learn a bit about mental health in the black community. Um, what kind of sparked that was basically a brief that I had in my coursework. Um, and so the idea that I, the idea that I pitched to rural media was like a glorified idea I had for my coursework that I didn't have enough time to execute today. Yeah, yeah. um, because the brief we were given it was basically us, for us to do our own adaptation of The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. So it's a classic story about basically a young man who wakes up as a beetle. Um, there's been all okay. sorts of in interpretations because it was written in the 1920s. There's been all sorts of interpretations uh, as to what the beetle metamorphosis represents. Could it have been okay. um, like a state of mental decline? Could it have represented something deeper? So there's been all sorts of theories around that story. And I kind of used that to say, okay, well, if I look at it from a black male perspective, perspective, you know, maybe him waking up with this 
you know, strong sense of depression. He's no longer as able to be as productive. What stigma would that have in his family and his community? Yeah. Um, and so that's where the idea came. And then I pitched that to rural media. They accepted it. Um, I already had like a rough animation done already, which was my coursework. Did you have to um, do like a storyboard to like, when you, when you pitched it to him, was it, was it like a, a quick kind of storyboard or was it more just like, this is the idea, this is what I'm thinking? Yeah, it was just a written application because oh, right. it, okay. it was open to all sorts of creatives, you know, yeah. regardless of their background. So I think because to make it, they wanted to make it accessible. It's just lots of detailed questions about the idea of the film. And if they like the idea and they're sold by the idea, then from then on, there would be conversations around how it would look and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, that was the process. Um, yeah. And February 2020, we, we met in person in the Quad, which is our local arts and exhibition um, center in Derby. Um, so it was me and the other people shortlisted in the Midlands and we got to meet the team in person. Little did we know it would be the only time we'd <laughs> meet in person, oh, really? um, especially cause there was me and another animator selected. So obviously with animation, you can do it remotely. Um, and so we ended up making the whole of the mental roots animation remotely, um, oh, wow. over zoom and Google drive and using yeah, Adobe yeah. software. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, there's a whole lot I could say about how cathartic it was, was it for me to make that film. collaborative project, would you say, like, working yeah. with, because I know you spoke about working with, like, your friends as well, like, sound engineers, and, like, how how was that project, like, like yeah, coming so together? I, like, yeah. yeah, there was a friend of mine, Hashim um, Dareer, who's in, he's also based in London, um, also uh, a black guy as well. He was, he did the same course as me at Derby Uni. He was in the year above. Um, so since he graduated, he had not done any animation work and working with me on Mental Roots was his first animated project, paid project since graduating. So it was great to kind of um, allow him that opportunity in a way. Um, it was him and then I, another friend that I knew online i hadn't met him in person and i have this thing called covid friends that i made i don't know if you relate um lots of people you know just networking online um meeting other creatives through like online group chats and things like that so there was this guy called jesse francis very talented musician based in london who um he's classically trained as well but also trained with hip-hop production very versatile um i got him involved in the music side of things um so all the music and the switch ups and everything you can that's him um and then the rest of the team anna my producer who was part of rural media she brought in the rest of the team so i had um sipu nglovu who is um, a birmingham based spoken word poet and um he does lots of workshops um supporting young people he kind of mentored me with refining the spoken word um narration because I did spoken word narration for the film as well and then we had Michelle Brandt who did some of the animation very talented animator that Anna brought on board and then we had Chris Reed who's a great sound designer from Rural Media um, and so yeah as a team you know we really made the vision it's work. a big team yeah. Like, yeah. Well, how, how long did it take them from start to finish then? Was it was it over a year or was it yeah, Shot so there was there was so much going on because Anna was busy because she was producing other, you know, short yeah. films for rural media as well. 
you'll find that with a lot of producers, they have lots of projects going on in tandem. At the same time, yeah. So yeah, they are busy people. And just for those who don't know, a producer's job is kind of the admin, making sure everything is running the way that it should with a project. So making sure everyone's getting paid and, you know, um, yeah, just being there to support everyone. Um, and yeah, handling, handling budgets and deadlines. Whereas the director is obviously the creative leader. I was the director, so yeah. this was my vision. I was leading the creativity behind it. Um, and obviously when you see film credits, the director is like, gets a lot yeah. of that credit. So um, yeah, all of that is to say um, the process, and, and with a lot of my work, most of the time tends to be pre-production. Um, I think it's unintentional. I just think you spend a lot of months trying to deliberate on the idea, making sure the scripting is good. Yeah. So mind you, this was part-time. Like this wasn't even part of my um, degree. Um, I was, it, it's kind of running from the beginning of 2020. So it's like me finishing my final year, working on my final film yeah. whilst kind of, you know, I was finishing my Doing degree. Well, yeah. yeah, I was finishing my degree and I had mental roots on the back burner for a bit. So it was more from the summer holidays onwards that I started putting in a bit more time into mental roots. Um, but then as I, you know, finished like the Christmas holidays and went into the new year, um, my lecturer for my master's said that, you know, we can integrate mental roots into your coursework. So that helped relieve a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was just a lot of overlap in different things I was doing. I think creating generally during yeah. the pandemic was, although it was a kind of stressful because Mental Roots was like my biggest, most ambitious idea. Yeah. It was because of the topic and because of COVID happening and then all the BLM stuff happening during the summer, it was like, it was a safe place for me to just process everything as well. Yeah. So I feel like I needed it at that time. And that's what kept me going, creating Mental Roots. Um, yeah, definitely the, the timing of everything as well. Imagine like, mm. with BLM and everything going on at that time. And obviously like you kind of talking about this as well. I mean, how was it when the video come out? Can we kind of, mm. I mean, was you like overwhelmed by the response to it? Obviously winning awards and obviously it was like nationwide. I mean, how, yeah. how was that obviously seeing it everywhere? So yeah, that flagship film, um, so yeah, again, a lot of overlap. So just to run up in the run up to it, 2020, summer of 2020, I started the Mental Roots podcast and I used that initially as a bit like a research base, just chatting with other young adults about the challenges that come with being, you know, an quote unquote ethnic minority and some of the factors that have contributed to disproportionate mental health issues in the black community. Um, so just having a real chat with other young black people and also therapists and activists and people who are doing work to raise awareness on this stuff, it helped really um, get a broad sense of what I was representing in the film whilst I was making it. Um, mm. But close to the end of 2020 slash beginning of 2021, I realized, hang on, we've got a multimedia brand here, you know, the film and the podcast actually complement each other yeah, so that's absolutely. when I decided to make it a brand um March of 2021 was when we finished production for that first film and by this time the podcast was in full swing and people are hearing about it it was a long wait from March 
until December of that year, until BBC Four then aired that film. Um, so BBC Four have been premiering the new creative short films. So okay. they'll do like, it's a bit like Channel Four. They have this thing called Random Acts. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, no. Where no. it's like lots of indie upcoming filmmakers, they have all these short films and they get shown in this program called Random Max. Um, okay. So it's kind of BBC's version of that, but it's on BBC4. Yeah. Um, so my one was an animation special. So other young creatives who created animated films, we all got that showcased in that BBC4, BBC4 program. And then three months after that program, we then got our exclusive rights back for our films so then we were free after those three months to re-upload on youtube and yeah. submit to film festivals and all that stuff um, which is good because ownership as a creative is important so that's kind of to give you a sense of the timeline so really it was in 2022 that i then started to see the impact of the film and yeah people in the nhs emailing me saying oh um, we've caught wind of this um we're really trying to reach more ethnic minorities with our NHS mental health services and your film is helpful. Do you mind if we share this with some of the people that we work with? So it's been good to see it make an impact in, I guess, the mental health um, slash yes, social work faculty, but also has made its waves in, I guess, um, the creative world. Um, so Coventry Uni, they had their first ever film festival in 2022. And I got to win runner-up prize for that in their film festival Amazing. um so i got to network there um i went to the annual teesside university animation conference that they have um which is internationally recognized people um practitioners from all across the world go to teesside uni every summer to do talks around different topics in animation and it's a big networking thing so i got to be one of the youngest speakers there talking about the mental yeah. roots brand talking about the animation how i want to empower more marginalized people to use this medium for social good um, so it was great to talk about that and make connections there um, entering entrepreneurial competitions and getting entrepreneurial help to help kind of set the brand up thinking about branding designing the logo there was a lot that yeah. happened in 2022 um, and so yeah it was a great year um, in terms of the ironic thing is searching for full-time work was a challenge because yeah. first, first half of 2022, I was doing a graduate internship at the uni. And that was with our widening access department. So we would go to schools, local schools, and raise awareness about higher education, different career routes that they can take. So yeah. it was great to do that at, for those seven months. Um, and I got to develop my own workshop on animation as well. Um, and good. so that managed to make an impact in a few local schools. Um, and then the second half of 2022, I was kind of looking for work full time, still getting a few commissions here and there with the brand. I did a few on like one online workshop um, in terms of finding creative jobs. It was hard, um, but literally close to the end of the year, I basically found a role for a mental health charity. It wasn't my first choice, but I thought, you know what, um, this is what's come at my doorstep and it will be a good opportunity to dip my toe into the mental health um, industry. Um, so now I'm a recovery worker working in um, a, a residential like recovery home, basically yeah. people in mental health crisis or coming out of mental health hospitals, if they how's, need a place how's, to. How's that, how's yeah. that experience been? Like obviously 
be being in it kind of like firsthand and kind of hearing like people's stories like yeah it's been interesting because i've realized like how different of a world it is <laughs> in terms of yeah the industry and you know the training that you have to do around um kind of adult safeguarding because it's an adult service so okay. it's learning about consent and how to step in and support adults and um also knowing how to work with the NHS crisis team and mental health helpline we ha- we we get referrals from different departments and things so it's taught me a lot about how the network of different services kind of work together yeah um and also it's quite it's been quite hard hitting actually seeing the tricky things that the clients go through um with these adults a lot of them are parents um childhood trauma has impacted kind of family breakdowns and a lot of relationship issues seems to be a common theme in terms of people having mental health issues a few, a few people with psychosis a few people with who are hearing voices and there's still so much I'm learning about different conditions yeah. and the medication that they're taking i think the medication has been the biggest shock factor because i never knew people take so much medication you know just to treat these things yeah um, you mentioned so like it, was that you say friendship was like the main thing. Friendship in, in regards to like people breaking up with their partners or friendships with their parents or friends. Oh, sorry. I mean um, relationships. So like yeah, romantic but, relationships. Yeah. yeah okay. But also, but yeah, also family trauma. Um, so yeah, family and relationships seems to be yeah. a recurring source of trauma for a lot of the clients yeah. that I've seen anyway. Um, and again, I think considering Derby is, I don't know, it's weird because Derby seems to be becoming more ethnically diverse, but mm. traditionally it is still very white and Asian. And so that's been reflected in the clients that we have. It's still been heavily middle-aged white women um, that yeah. kind of engage with our services. If every once in a while you see a white man, but to see an Asian man or a black man or even black women has been i haven't seen them engage with our services so i'm still starting to learn about the the challenges that um people in healthcare are having in even raising awareness of these services in these sort of demographics yeah you know that a lot of people from these backgrounds might not even be aware of this support and if they are aware do they feel comfortable to come to these yeah, services knowing that yeah. you know is predominantly white in terms of yeah. the team so it's opened up that kind of worms for me. And obviously that's informing new content that I'm thinking about doing with the brand as well. Yeah. Cause I know, I know you did some like research at university where you spoke about like the ethnic minority of like mental health and the, 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 the kind of the difference between like white people might probably more like kind of might speak about it. Why do you, why do you think the ethnic minority don't always maybe feel confident to like speak about the mental health? Do you think it, mm. is it there? the upbringing or what, what's your thoughts on that? So there's quite a rich history behind this and a lot of research that's gone into this. Um, if you look at websites like mind.org.uk and obviously the Gov website, um, stats from recent years show black people in the UK. I, I read one stat where black people are up to like seven times more likely to be sectioned under the Mental Health Act. Oh, wow. Um, and... Black men, there's, even in the, the States, there's similar stats around black men being 
the most vulnerable to severe mental health issues um, such as schizophrenia. And um, I think coming to the roots behind, you know, no pun intended there, or actually pun intended, because <laughs> that's how yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. mental roots idea yeah, came, is that there are rich historical and cultural roots behind the stigma in a lot of, um, in a lot of families generally, but especially in black and even Asian backgrounds as well. I think number one, being considered an ethnic minority coming from, you know, in, in a lot of African countries, you know, there's as much as there's a lot of potential and there's a lot of hope in the talent that comes from Africa in terms of political corruption imbalances politically there's a lot of poverty basically and a lot of people say you know with this comes a poverty mindset um when when you go to any marginalized community where survival is the main aim with that comes a stigma of you don't have time to talk about your feelings because you're just trying to get by put food on the table you know get through whatever you have to get through and everyone's hurting in a way so it's like even those who want to open up it's like the people and the environment around me does not give me a safe space to open up um and then when it comes to again a lot of migrants a lot of people from the Windrush generation in the Caribbean migrate into the UK and then obviously experiencing the culture shock of the amount of racism they experienced um a lot of first generation black Brits like myself, our parents and maybe even grandparents, the trauma that they carry from, you know, coming here to have a better life and then being met with racism at various levels, um, institutional racism, racism in the workplace, looking at the racism in the media um, and how that media affects their white, the white people around them. So the white people around them have their own stereotypical ideas of blackness yeah. based on what the media tells them. It's a very multi-layered issue when we look at how society is structured. And then it makes it hard harder for those from those ethnically diverse backgrounds to trust people around them to open up to and say, this is what's going on. Also lack of education um, when it comes to education around mental health. Again, it seems to be very white focused. So symptoms of certain conditions is very white centric, whereas as black people, you know, with our cultural heritage, we have our own unique way of expressing ourselves. And, um, you know, sometimes that gets overlooked in terms of, you know, um, authorities and organisations understanding when there's an issue in, you know, black people with their mental health. And just because we might seem strong, you know, doesn't mean we don't experience pain. And, you know, because with any marginalized group, you adapt, right? You learn to adapt, you learn to put on this mask, right? And so some white people may say, well, if black people were more open about where they need help, blah, 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 we would be further along. But you have to look at kind of the barriers in communication, the barriers in um, trust. um, And yeah, I'm I'm just scratching the surface here, but... Um, that's why I had to start the podcast to look at various yeah. other no, aspects. It's, it's a massive, it's a massive eye, eye opener. Yeah. It, and you know what I mean? And I think it's incredible what you do now with obviously mental roots where you've seen like there's opportunity there to, to yeah. help people and a place where like trust really in it. And so yeah. it's incredible, obviously 
setting up the podcast. Can can we obviously touch upon the podcast, kind of the story behind that, and obviously like how's that going? And are, are you are you looking at doing the the first season? You said. Yeah, so I've done two seasons already. I've been quite busy with it the past couple of years. Um, I started, like I was saying earlier to you off camera, um, I started recording season three. Season three is coming this yeah. year for sure. Don't it's worry, guys. Out, yeah. <laughs> um, I've just obviously had a lot going on with the new job and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I have recorded interviews for season three. Um, and with the podcast, again, coming back to the different roots behind uh, mental health issues in the black community yeah. there's also cultural beliefs as well um you i'm sure you probably know a few african or caribbean friends who grew up in strongly religious you know families yeah um there's a strong kind of christian and spiritual heritage um with our family so yeah our families can be very spiritual and with that when it comes to mental health issues because again we're also kind of ill-informed on mental health and what it really is we think that oh this person's just gone mad we just need to pray for them we just need to you know leave them in god's hands so to speak so there's kind of those spiritual cultural beliefs um and it's, it's obviously very similar with a lot of asian families as well um you know. i think it's one of them as well i'm constantly like learning as well and like mm. like and i think people when like obviously i'm white and uh, yeah like i think it'd be stupid if I didn't say like, like because of the color of my skin, I'm probably in a more privileged um, situation because of the white. And and I think that, that, that has come from like, obviously BLM and obviously looking back and reflecting and, and, and doing the research and be, be more open to it. And I think, I think these conversations mm. are really open as well, because I think yeah. like sometimes they could feel like quite tough and like uncomfortable. And like yeah. sometimes I, I'll be honest, I might, I might be like, oh God, I like, hope I don't say the wrong thing. Like, but I think mm. it's 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 really important to have these discussions, even if I, I was like, it wasn't until like, um, I moved to London. I, I was originally from like Bolton. <laughs> so when you move to London, you mix with so many different like, cush, like cultures and ethnic minorities. Mm. And like, it, it's such an eye up and it is, it, is, it is important to have these conversations and kind of open it up. Like. Yeah. And I think that's the heart behind the podcast is, it's a safe space. And I think sympathy is needed from all backgrounds. I think in the black community, as much as we are fatigued <laughs> from trying to integrate yeah. with the dominant culture and always trying to assimilate to be accepted, as much as that's true, I think we also have a responsibility to be gracious as well and allow white people and very, people of other races generally to ask questions and to be a bit awkward because we need safe spaces where we can ask questions without being judged. And I can understand, you know, a lot of white people like yourself, you want to better understand, but you feel like, oh, if I ask this or say this, then, you know, I don't want to get counseled for it. I don't want to come across as ignorant. What I'm realizing is the more I talk with other kind of young black adults who have have their own interests and backgrounds, the more I realise, actually, we just want honest conversation. And it's okay if you just ask us, you know, why is it that, you know, your the way you keep your hair is so important to you yeah. in terms of like, or even like, why, you know, wh what is it about maybe being at work that makes it hard for you as, as, as a black person? And mm -hmm. Yeah, just 
showing that you want to learn, I think is important and not being too worried about being politically correct or saying the right thing. Um, yeah, I think that's I think, so important because even yeah. before the podcast, like, like obviously I was like speaking to my girlfriend about the podcast, like going into it and I was like, oh, like, does this sound like I was like running questions by her and I, and I was mm. like, just cause, cause obviously like you, you don't want to sound like you say you're ignorant or I just want to like, you know, go up, like, like you say, be open about it and ask these questions, which, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you say, sometimes might feel comfortable, but like, like you said, that like having the discussion and kind of opening it up, I think it's so important. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And with most of the guests of the podcast, season one was mostly black male. Um, so some of them were people that I worked with on the Mental Roots animation. So I had some interviews around the making of the film, um, but also their own creative journeys. So lots of subtopics have been covered, such as um, looking at youth violence. So there's a guy called Ben Lindsay in London, who is the CEO of a charity called Power the Fight. And they look at um, youth violence in London and try to end it. And he addressed the misconception that knife crime is a black issue, or at least it's portrayed to be that way in yeah. um, in the news, because the narrative around it is very much London centric. And it just so happens to be the case that because of how ethnically diverse London is, it disproportionately affects young black people within London. But obviously, if you look at other cities like um, Glasgow, you know, there's been record high kind of knife crime rates in those cities and they're very predominantly white so it was good to have conversations around that mm. um looking at other young black creatives and how spoken word performing arts animation has been therapeutic outlets for them also looking at christianity because i'm a christian and yeah navigating the tension of yes we believe um spiritual life and spiritual health is important but there's also that also needs to be balanced with the practicality of mental health and therapy and you know so you know kind of balancing all these different cultural things Topics, um, yeah. and how it links with mental health um so it's been good for that and then season two i brought in some white people because <laughs> i thought yeah. it's important that we get more p diverse people involved in this conversation um so i had um a trio of guys called the A-Game A Consultancy. Um, it's three guys all by the name of Adam um, who oh, are yeah. based <laughs> in the northern parts of England, but they have a coaching business and they've coached people from a variety of different backgrounds. So a lot of things they were saying about their mental health as men and practical things around nutrition and mindset, you know, uh, obviously it's transferable to all, you know, demographics. Um, but we also had a little bit of a chat around their perspective on, you know, um, ethnic diversity within mental health and that representation. So I plan to interview more people from diverse backgrounds who, especially who are trying to, you know, engage in mental health and are coaches or whatnot. Because yeah. um, again, like you said, we yeah. need that bridge to be built, you know, for- up, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was going to ask as well, like, I was going to ask her actually, how, I mean, how's your mental health been? Like, is, is that something you've kind of dealt with um, on this journey yourself? I'm really happy you asked that question because with mental roots, it's kind of like, I didn't know what 
kind of worms, worms I was opening in terms of the subject matter. Because yeah. when you watch the original film, the protagonist in it is a young black male. And obviously, undeniably, there's some of me in that character. You know, the character talks about the pressure he feels as a first generation black Brit of making his family proud. Um, you know, you're off, enough, uh, uh, a popular thing many ethnic minority kids will hear is, you know, you, you just have to work twice as hard as your white peers in order to... Mm. You know, you just yeah. have to put in the extra work, blah, 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 prove yourself, make us proud. Um, and yeah, there's just that extra pressure because you know what your parents went through. And it's like, if I complain about what I'm going through, you know, of what if my parents minimise that because of what they went through? Yeah. And so that was, was kind was of your, like Was a, your parents, would you say your par- were your parents like supportive in regards to like your career path, like wanting to kind of go down animation? animation kind of like illustration was or did they want mm. you to do something else like yeah so i guess the stereotype of most african parents is you have to be a doctor or a lawyer you have to be. Yeah, but yeah. to be honest you know my parents have been very um op- relatively very open-minded and have always seen in me my creative gift sometimes i wonder you know maybe it's because it's been so clear that i've been good at the creative stuff that you know it's just been a no-brainer to them that, okay, we can clearly see our son is good at this thing, you know, and I think my parents' idea is whatever you do, do it well. That's always Mm -hmm. been their message, um, especially as people who believe in God, you know, we believe God gives everyone gifts and desires for a reason. So, you know, my parents have, I'm thankful, you know, that they've always been encouraging me to, you know, obviously pursue animation, but just make sure that I do it to the best of my ability, you know, and which is, which is great, you know, but I think with that also, because there's not that many, you know, there's creative people in my family, but I don't think anyone has taken it to the extent that I want to take it to, if that makes sense in terms of a career. I was going to ask, was there anyone like you could like turn to and look like, look, this person, he looks Mm. like me, he's, he's achieved X, (laughs) Y, and Z. Was was there anyone you could like turn to at the time? Um, I've I've had to pull inspiration from various black celebrity role models. Um, in terms of, in t- to be honest, in the animation world, until until university, when I really started to research that stuff, I didn't see any role models like me in the animation industry. Um, but within the world of rap music and poetry and acting obviously people like will smith within the rap world you know um people like kanye west and then looking into christian rap people like governor b in the uk and lecrae and seeing more positive rappers as well inspired me to then think oh you know what i could take inspiration from this art medium and that medium and i've kind of have I've had to mesh yeah. together different black male role models to create my own thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, now looking within the world of animation, um, even now I'm having to wrap my brain. There's like independent filmmakers like Mary Martins, Osbert Parker, who they're not famous, but you know, they've, their work has gotten some recognition in the indie film world. So kind of I've started networking with them a little bit as well and then looking more broadly um 
the names are escaping me, but I know there's a person who was on the board of directors for the Pixar film Soul. Um, okay. I, there was a black African-American guy. I forgot his name. Um, there's a studio called Lion Forge Animation that's completely black owned, um, a big studio based in the US. And they're the team behind the short film Hair Love, which I think got, I think it got a Grammy, not a Grammy award. Um, Is it Oscar? No. Os yeah, I think it was Oscars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, you know, there's, we're seeing more role models now globally within, you know, um, black animation, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think we're yet to see more multifaceted creatives, um, I guess like myself, who I, it's quite a unique thing I'm doing because I've got a bit of spoken word, poetry skill and a bit of rap and merging the sound with the animation, I think is quite a unique thing that I'm not seeing many creatives generally doing, but I think it will inspire hopefully other young black creatives to I think I think in your 20s as yeah. well it's about like exploring different mediums and like yeah, finding yeah. what works for you and I think like yeah you've you've just graduated or you've done your masters but now this is a time you can have fun with it really and, and mm. see see how far you can push mental roots and like say look at different mediums and different formats um where you can yeah. really kind of push it in into different areas so it must be yeah, quite quite an exciting time, really. Like, where, where I mean, where do you want to take it in the in the next five years? Do you have Do you have an idea of where 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 you kind of see it? Yeah. So with the brand, it's interesting because it's it's a unique kind of business. Um, it's I guess a creative studio and a social enterprise combined. Yeah. Because on one side, there's the original content, you know, here and there when I can creating. The series of short animated films. Um, so I want to do more of those animated films tackling other topics. Um, I did mention the sequel to the original Mental Roots film. So that sequel is called Black Female Living. And that's an animated documentary that takes some of the footage from the podcast. So the idea yeah. is the podcast and the animated films will complement each other. Amazing. Where I help to tell the stories of real young black adults and people around their experiences navigating self-care and you know different kinds of racism but also cultural stigmas all these things that impact their mental health and telling their stories through the podcast but then taking that podcast footage and putting animated visuals to it as well yeah um which in would itself it be like can be long form or would it be like short form like short form pieces, for now yeah. short form for now but if I get the funding and I'm able to build a strong enough team, mm. hopefully we can have um, distribution deals and partnerships with streaming services like Netflix or whatnot and make maybe feature length animated documentaries Amazing. or yeah. even fictional films that, you know, highlight these real issues in marginalized communities when it comes to well-being and um, cultural identity and all of that stuff. So that's one side of the brand. The other side of the brand, which is more um, commission-based, freelance-based, is I've already started to have conversations um, with different um, youth organizations around any workshops they would like me to do to raise awareness on animation, illustration, other forms of creativity, and how young people can use that to express mm. things that they go through and to address societal issues. Um, so that's the sort of workshop I want to do more of. And as well as if I'm able to develop a team of 
workshop practitioners, you know, preferably people who come from a professional mental health background and obviously are more experienced in that yeah. than I am, you know, developing a range of, you know, professional workshops on men's mental health, black boys' mental health. Um, there's so many different branches that we can take yeah. um, as think, well as, I I, yeah. I think I cut you off before. Yeah, I think I cut you off before when I asked you about have you faced mental health challenges? Because I think then, I think it was my fault. I asked another question. We kind of like spoke about like your parents. Um, yeah. is, is that something you've kind of faced along, along the way? So in terms of what I've faced, I haven't had any severe mental health issues, no diagnosis or anything, but it's helped me better um, reflect on symptoms of my own kinds of anxiety and my own relationship with work, which in a weird way, is what kickstarted the whole film and the whole brand is I want a better relationship with work um, because again, feeling the pressure I have of, you know, trying to be a role model to other young black kids and, you know, trying to prove to my family that yes, you can succeed in this kind of branch of um, work. All that pressure, I've seen how it's kind of taken a toll on me in some ways in terms of saying yes to too many things. And even now, um, I've been putting in a few small things in place to learn how to say no to certain things and um, even thinking about... Do you think there's starting... a hustle culture with like your like Generation Z? Like, do you think... And that as well. And that yeah. as well. I think social media... there's a lot of pressure of like achieving and like you've got to be the next... Yeah. I don't know. Like you always feel like what's the next big thing kind of thing. Yeah. There's pressure on Gen Z with social media and you know, now everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, it seems. Mm. So it's the pressure to kind of, and obviously cost of living and the impact that's having on young adults like myself, pressure to, you know, save up to your first home and all these different things. So mm. it's multi-layered and I'm learning, um, you know, the more I think about therapy, actually, the more I think, you know what, let me look at different services and what I could benefit from them. Because with a lot of my podcast guests, they talk about, the benefit that they've had with therapy, especially having therapy from other black practitioners, you know, people who look like them and reflect their culture, the therapeutic effect of that, you know, is more and more, it's convincing me to do my own research and see how I can get yeah. therapy support. So I'm still on my own journey. I'm not pretending to be an expert or even say that I'm practicing all the things that I'm sharing in my work, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's more of as an advocate, I'm on this journey and I'm taking my followers with me on that journey. Um, so that's kind of how it's I see myself. It's a journey myself. as well, you know what I mean? Like yeah. even even when I set up making saying at, at Union, I, I, I don't think I started the the blog till 2019 and I think the podcast come two years later. But like mm. it's I'm even now it's a constant journey and like I want to get, I, I've had like a bit of therapy. Like, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't really ever say I've had like a massive mental health has been a big issue. It's, it's just mm. been a bit like, like anyone, I'm a bit of an overthinker. I, yeah. I, I get, I do get burnt out. I do get burnt out at times because obviously I've got yeah, my job yeah. and then I'm trying to do the podcast and everything on the side yeah. and it can be very hard to like burn the candle on, on both ends. But I think mm. as I've got older, I'm better at recognizing that now. So yeah. now, uh, like, I always try and take a bit of time, time off kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it's and really it, tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a good thing to close on would be where I'm at now with the brand is, yes, I've mentioned these big things. 
And there's plenty of other things that I'm planning as well, but I don't want to say too much in advance. Yeah. Um, but even now, like, again, you know, I'm only 25. Like, I'm just starting to get used to yeah, yeah. the working world, it, let alone starting my own business. So it's like, I'm learning to just take things at my own pace. There's all sorts of networking events for different businesses within the Midlands and all these things that I'm hearing about. And I've started to say a, a no to some of these things, not because I don't want to be getting that networking support and growing the business, but there's only so much I can handle at one time. And, you know, the great recognition I've gotten already is enough of an encouragement that this brand will last. I don't have to constantly be running the treadmill and constantly working on the brand. Yeah. In order for it to it's a, succeed, it's a, it's a marathon as well. You know what I mean? It's a like, marathon. You've, you've, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got years ahead. You know what I mean? Like mm. they always, they always, they always say like three years is a magic number. Like three years is is <laughs> when the good stuff starts happening. Like it's three years yeah. of graft and yeah. I mean, I I don't do it full time, but like I've, yeah. I I I don't get me wrong. Like, I get like brand deals here, there, and that definitely helps mm. cover the cost of like the podcast equipment or yeah, yeah. Buy buy new cameras or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, to be honest, I, I think you're the same page. For me, it's so fulfilling when you see that you reach people and like you made a difference to their life. And for me, yeah, like, yeah. that's all I want. And if it does end up being my full time job, then great. But if not, like I'm happy in my job at the minute. Like mm. I get to design all day. I feel I feel lucky, really. Like you know what I mean. I'm not doing a job I hate. Like um, I've got mm. a great team around me in terms of like the people I work with. So. Mm. yeah don't put too much pressure on yourself like. for sure for sure yeah. um yeah no honestly yeah. yeah honestly it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast and I'm, I'm glad we got around to it would you like to share kind of your instagram and kind of your podcast on the on the podcast for the listeners who want to check it out yeah so you can check out the mental roots podcast on any platform including the platform you're listening on right now it's on that platform Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. If you want to follow, I'm still making the website. That's another thing that's had to be on the <laughs> on back the burner for a bit. Um, but um, when the website is ready, it will be mentalroots.co.uk. If you want all the updates on how the brand is doing and the website and everything, the socials is mentalrootspod, all one word, um, no underscore, mentalrootspod. And that's on Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook as well. I'm not on Facebook as much um, and Twitter, um, but uh, Instagram is like the most, um, the place I'm most present. And then that's followed by TikTok and then also LinkedIn as well. You can search Mental Roots on LinkedIn. For all of those who are business owners or you work within the field of mental health or youth work, and you would like to maybe discuss ways that we can collaborate and maybe have like a freelance partnership, um, you know, for any commissions or any things like that. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you just want to consume the content or you're just a fan of kind of what we we do. Then you can follow on the other social platforms. Um, but yeah, no, nah, that's amazing. Anyway, it's been a pleasure having you on, Nathan.